This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. You can receive all new content offered by EverythingVoluntary.com in your email inbox every single weekday for free. Visit Digest.EverythingVoluntary.com to subscribe. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's January 13th. Uh, In this episode, I thought I would browse for some questions from Cora. I've got a beef to pick with Cora, however. And I've learned that um, if you've been listening to this for a while, you've probably heard my conversations with my friend Dennis Pratt, who is probably one of the most, and I mean this literally, one of the most, if not the most prolific authors on Quora. Um, all of a sudden, totally out of the blue, he got uh, blocked and banned from Quora. There were never any warnings. There were never any prior email communications that would indicate that his account was in jeopardy. And the reasons they gave him was that too many of his answers were not helpful. And I quote that, not helpful. Now, if you've ever looked at his Quora catalog, what you'll notice is that unlike most every other participant on Quora, his answers are always essay length. They're on point. They're direct, and they are probably the most helpful in answering the particular questions, the most helpful types of answers that you will ever see anywhere on Quora. So for Quora to, to somehow, out of, out of absolutely nowhere, ban him from submitting answers and taking away all of his editing privileges without any warning, and the only response, the only explanation he gets is that too many of his answers are not helpful, is complete and utter bullshit. Quora has made some mistake here. Somebody at Quora, probably somebody who, you know, sees the word libertarian or liberty and immediately associates that with these uh, retarded Trump people, uh, probably did it, probably just banned them. And they're probably doing it to a lot of people. So if you're anybody with any sort of presence on Quora, you may have this happen to you. So, I mean, is this is this what's going to happen, right? All of these platforms, all of these places are going out of their way to find what they perceive to be Trump people and the, the far right, which unfortunately in their minds includes people like me who absolutely despise Trump and everything he stands for voluntarists, libertarians, anarcho-capitalists, and so forth, and they're going to get removed. And it seems like it seems like a lot of people are leaving these places, Twitter, Facebook, and so forth, and going to alternatives like Minds and Gab and those that still exist. Unfortunately, Parler was sort of the new thing, and it was taken down by Amazon. 
where they host it. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's like, who's going to be left on Twitter and who's going to be left on Facebook? Just a bunch of leftists and people who aren't political, right? It seems, it seems to me now, absolutely, they have a right to do what they want. It's their property. And I would never, ever propose any sort of governmental solution to what is amounting to private, you know, a form of private censorship. And there's nothing wrong with private censorship. I privately censor in my own house. Somebody can't come in here and start insulting me and my family. I will censor them by banning them from my house. So this, 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 the solution here cannot be governmental. Okay. The only way, let me just make this point. Whenever people have felt underserved by current institutions, they've created alternatives. And that takes time and it takes effort. It's not easy. It's not instant. But America itself was founded and built as an alternative to old institutions, right? People left Europe and they found the new world. And that was them struggling mightily <laughs> to, to not just to, not to find an alternative. They didn't expect to find some other monarch over here that they could plead with and say, can we be your subject? They were leaving the old institutions and they were not looking for an alternative. They were looking to build an alternative and it took decades and centuries. Now, I'm not claiming that the alternative has worked as well as they'd hoped. It certainly hasn't as many of them hoped. Many of them hoped for more. Many of them wanted to replace the old monarchy with a uh, some sort of democratic monarchy. Looking at you, James, uh, James Alexander Hamilton, and I'm sure others. But they didn't. They didn't look for a governmental solution. They just said, "We're leaving. We're out of here." They left Europe, and then, of course, Europe followed them and maintained them as subjects and started to, um, you know, claim them. And people, you know, also came that were representatives of the old institutions, and they they held on. The old institutions held on as long as they could until they couldn't. So that's you know. Maybe we're going to see that in the virtual realm. Maybe we're going to see that in the digital world, right? You're going to see migrations and you're going to see the building of alternatives. And I think at the end of the day, that'll be a good thing, but it takes time. Okay. These things, you know, don't spring up overnight, unlike 5,000 page ominous bills that all of a sudden we need or 5,000 page Patriot Acts that, oh, look, this crazy thing just happened. You know, we happen to have a bill for that. <laughs> so I'm not happy with CORE right now, and I really don't feel like promoting it. Um, I don't know that his answers and his essays have been removed. I know he's been spending all of his time copy-pasting those to an offline source, and he needs to find a new home for them. And probably the easiest way for now is just to set up his own website. I, of course, the, the, the value of Cora was that there were, there were curious people at Cora who were looking for answers to these questions. They put these questions and then other people find them. Cora had a unique corner of the market in that regard. And I think they should have done a better job of protecting people who have spent a lot of their time and a lot of their effort and a lot of their resources in providing uh, high-quality content to Cora. So I don't know what his appeal will be. I don't know if he'll get reinstated, but for now, he's doing what he can to copy his stuff out of there and find another place for him. 
Um, and it's easy enough to start a website. You know, it's going to cost you maybe 20, 30 bucks a year. That's, you know, for the domain and for the, the minimum amount of space that you need with a, a WordPress site. So that was my advice to him. Um, anyway, I don't really have a better source to get questions. It's just on the fly that I can riff on. So I'm going to use it, but, um, I've got a lot of other episode types and a lot of other sources. I mean, these places, even Reddit, I source a lot of stuff on Reddit and Reddit pisses me off all the time. You know, I'll do what I can to exploit them. But at some point, at some point, I think we will have viable, robust alternatives to some of these places. Minds.com has been around for a bit. MeWe, Gab, Ello. I don't know if that one's still around. Ruckus. I mean, I think Ruckus is a Reddit alternative. There's a couple of those. Vote, B-O-A-T, I think is one. But they're not going to go anywhere if we just stay on Quora and Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. If we just stay there and spend all our time there, then these other alternatives, it's going to be slower to get them up and going. We've got to take our ball and go home and find another gym to play in. All right, let's do some questions. All right. How do libertarians intend to enforce the non-aggression principle? Well, that's the beauty of the non-aggression principle. It's not implemented. It's not enforced in the way that you might be thinking. The non-aggression principle simply allows for force in self-defense. So I guess the way that you would implement the non-aggression principle is by using force to defend yourself when somebody else is attacking you. Okay, and you see this all the time, right? There, there actually is, believe it or not, there actually is widespread commitment to the non-aggression principle. People just don't, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't want to say, I, I guess it's a type of cognitive dissonance, but there's a, there's a disconnect in their minds about what, you know, what government force is. People don't see government force as offensive, as wrong, as illegitimate, as initiatory, as an attack. They see it as self-defensive, right? Because they've been indoctrinated to believe this idea that we are the government. So when the government is exercising force and we happen to agree that the activity in question that they are using their force against is undesirable, then they are acting on our behalf and they're force is self-defensive. So people people actually do believe in the non-aggression principle. They're just not consistent or they have confused definitions of uh, different uses of force in their own minds, okay? If you try to attack a person, they're going to defend themselves. That right there proves that they have some commitment to the non-aggression principle. They're not going to allow you to aggress against them, and they may use force to defend themselves. That's all the non-aggression principle is. So I think that our job, our challenge, is to get people to question uh, the governmental use of force. If we can get them to question when the government is using force against uh, a peaceful pot smoker, somebody who's not engaged in force or engaged in violence against anybody else, if we can get them to see why using force and violence or threatening it against such a peaceful person, if we can get them to see why that's probably wrong within their own moral framework that they're already committed to, then we can get them questioning more um, government as a tool for uh, using against other people. Okay, there's a serial killer on the, on the loose, right? 
terrorizing a neighborhood, terrorizing a city, that's something you use governmental force against. Okay, that's okay. We're not going to convince anybody, at least not right away, that maybe we don't need monopolistic government to go after these kind of bad guys. It's fine. It's 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 really fine. Okay, let's chip away at the other 95% of, of when government uses force against peaceful people, and then let's let's get them down to that 5%, and then it's an academic debate. All right. Well, next question. Okay, this one says, what do you think of the argument that taxation isn't theft because you're able to choose your representatives? So either choose ones that disagree with taxation as well, as well or start your own political party. Well, for starters, I am not able to choose my representative. That is a complete fallacy, right? When the representatives stand up and they say, vote for me, vote for me, vote for me, I can't go and choose one and now that one is my representative. I can choose a lawyer to represent me and I get the lawyer I choose. I can choose a spouse and as long as they choose me, I get the spouse I want. I can choose a barber. I can choose a grocer. We do not choose our representatives. This is a total fallacy, okay? We vote for a representative and we hope enough of our neighbors vote for the same one and we cross our fingers, but it's totally out of our control. And if it's out of our control, it's not our choice. So that's the first fallacy. The second fallacy is the assumption that just because we can vote for representative who has some tax policy position, <laughs> also this, this, this fallacy that we can just simply start our own political party and actually get into the debates with, with the, the established parties is also a fallacy. But just because we can vote for somebody, okay, it does not follow that taxation is not theft. Why, why do libertarians make this argument? What is the foundation for this? Yes, taxation is compulsory. It's coercive. If you don't pay it, you get threatened. And if you still don't pay it, then you get hurt. Either You either you know, actually get physically hurt or you get your liberty taken, you get thrown in a cage, right? This is what taxation is. Pay it or else. But, 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 you might say, we are the government. So when the government is using force in this way, it's just self-defensive. You are obligated to pay this tax. And if you don't pay it, then you are robbing us. And robbery is a crime, right? It's a, it's a violation of the non-aggression principle. Therefore, we can use force in self-defense. This is, this is how people think. But that begs the question, right? That rests on this claim that we have some sort of obligation, some sort of duty to pay the tax. So let's, let's keep digging in this hole. What is the source of that obligation? Okay, it's, it's their legal codes and their legal constitutions. Okay, they say we have a legal code, which is a result of our constitution. And this constitution says everybody in this territory must pay this tax, or this legal code says that. The constitution says we, the government, can create a tax code, and the tax code says everybody in this area must pay this tax. Seems like a cut and dry case, right? Seems like, okay, I guess it's true that we all have a duty and an obligation to pay this tax because, right, because we live in this territory. But hold up, hold up. We're missing something here. Something's missing. What facts, what evidence do these people who call themselves government, who have these codes and these constitutions, 
what evidence do they have that they rely on to make the claim that their codes and their constitutions apply to us just because we're physically located in this territory? Do they have any evidence? And evidence is factual. It's not arbitrary. Do they have any evidence, any facts to prove that their codes and their constitutions apply to us just because we're physically located where we are? And I've asked that question. I've asked it to bureaucrats. I've asked it to a prosecutor. I've asked it to a judge. And you know what the answer was? The answer was, all we have to prove this claim is our legal codes and constitutions. That's all we have to prove the Constitution applies to you is the Constitution. This is what you call a circular argument. Ergo, it's arbitrary. And I asked, I asked the prosecutor, I said, isn't this arbitrary? And she said, yes, it's arbitrary in the same way that all governments are arbitrary. That's what she said. I have her recorded on tape saying exactly that. And she's correct. She did not lie to me in that instance. She told me the truth. Their claim that their code applies to you, giving them jurisdiction, their claim of jurisdiction is arbitrary. And if it's arbitrary, then we have no obligation. We have no real actual duty to obey their code. Therefore, ergo, we are not subject to their tax. And if they threaten violence to enforce their tax against us, they are initiating force and we are defending ourselves. Ergo, taxation is a type of extortion, which is a type of theft. So it doesn't matter that they also say you can vote for people to change our legal codes and our constitution. There is no evidence that their codes and constitutions apply to anybody, which means they don't. It means there are no governments. There are no citizens, right? They're just engaged in arbitrary reification. So I'm sorry, person who answered this question, just because you know, you believe in these fallacies doesn't mean that taxation is an extortion. It is. And I think, I think I just proved that. I proved it because the claim on which they rest is arbitrary. Okay, let's do another question. All right. The question is, what is a simple explanation of libertarianism? What is a simple explanation of libertarianism? Well, I think that libertarianism centers on the non-aggression principle, which we've talked about. I'll, I'll elaborate a bit more on that. Um, but we must, we must take another step because the non-aggression principle centers on uh, this idea of private property. I think that private property, based on original appropriation and contract, trade, is the only logically, coherently, rationally justifiable type of property rights. Everybody has some theory of property rights that they believe in. Everybody, the communists do, the, the Georgists do, the, everybody does. In my opinion, only original appropriation, which is who had it first, actually makes sense. Okay, there's going to be some dispute at some point over some scarce resource, whether it's our bodies or um, resources that we find out in the world. And the question is going to be, who owns it? Whoever owns it is the one who gets to control it. That's what ownership is. It's the exclusive right of control. So whenever there's a dispute, it's all every single dispute between people is a is over some scarce resource. Every single one. Right? I don't like the way that my, you know, neighbor who's who's a man is kissing other men. That offends me. 
we have a dispute. I don't want him to do that. What, what, what scarce resource is the dispute over? It's over his body, right? So the question for any judge who's adjudicating this is, who owns my neighbor's body? If he owns his body, then what he does with it is none of my goddamn business. If I own his body, then he's my slave, and what he does with, what he does with it is my business. So every single interpersonal dispute among people is over some scarce resource. Every single one. So the question must always be asked, who owns this? Who has the right of control, the exclusive right of control over this? That's what every judge, every dispute adjudicator must ask. And then the answer gives you your solution. It gives you justice. Well, if he owns his body, then justice is you leaving him alone. You are not allowed to use force, right, against him to stop him from getting in bed with other men. That would be battery. That would be assault. It would be battery. It would be a crime in these terms for you to do that. You are initiating force against them, and that is aggression. That is criminal. So it starts with this concept of property. It starts with original appropriation. Who had it first? Our bodies, we do. Okay? That's what self-ownership is. And then every other resource out in the world that we decide is something that might be useful to us, who had it first? Okay? So if I'm going to trade my property, my resources, my property with you, that's not a legitimate trade if you don't own what you're offering me, right? So, you know, depending on the value of what's being traded, I may want to purchase some sort of insurance to protect me from you uh, claiming title to something you don't really have title to, such as a house, right? And there's other mechanisms that that are born and evolve through market transactions like this. But libertarianism is simply original appropriation and the non-aggression principle. That's it. It's those two concepts, right? Who owns this scarce resource and what may other people who don't own it, what may they do with it? Well, they can't do anything without consent of the owner. That includes our bodies. That includes our stuff. That includes our houses, our land, and so forth. If we are the rightful owner, either because we appropriated it originally out of it not being appropriated, nobody else had a claim to it, or we traded for it from somebody else who did that, or they traded for it. Maybe it's been traded. Maybe it's traded hands a few times. But as long as you can trace it back to the original owner who traded it, then we know that my ownership claim does not have any conflict, right? It's free and clear. My title is clean. My ownership title. And that's all libertarianism is. I hope, I think that was a simple explanation. It's simply private property and non-aggression. And non-aggression is who may use other people's property. If you don't have permission to use my property, then you are committing an act of aggression when you do something with it, whether you try to damage it or whether you take it or whether you use it against my will. It's very simple. And to me, it's ethically, morally obvious that this is, um, what do I want to say? This is the only defensible position among all the other political philosophies libertarianism is the only defensible, in my opinion. It's the only logically coherent, and it's the only ethically defensible. Okay, that's going to do it. Let's review. I talked about... I got somebody. Hang on one second. Okay, that was my that was my daughter calling me on the Google Home. Um, okay, so yeah, I talked about, I talked about these uh, platforms like Facebook and Twitter and why it's going to take time, but it's absolutely necessary to build alternatives. And maybe some of those alternatives can be built on some sort of 
distributed or decentralized technology like Bitcoin is. I mean, that's the one thing Bitcoin and these other cryptos have going for it is that it's incredibly hard to control and to prevent people from using it. I don't think you can. I think it's impossible. And I think that's what we need in our social media platforms. I think it needs to be impossible to not to block people if you don't want to see their stuff, but to kick them off completely. I think we need solutions that make that impossible. And I think it's going to piss off, you know, the powers that be. But so what? They need to be held accountable. And this is how we do it through talking to each other without their permission. Um, we talked about libertarians and how we enforce the non-aggression principle. It's simply just self-defense. Uh, we talked about why taxation is extortion, why it's wrong, and why the possibility of voting for a representative does not automatically um, change the status of that. It doesn't doesn't make it not extortion. It still is extortion because they have no evidence that it's not. And then we, I tried, I attempted to explain libertarianism as simply as possible. Private property through original appropriation and non-aggression. That's it. That's the whole of it. Everything stems from that. All right. That's it. Please remember, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, and don't ask permission. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EBC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.